0: Welcome to The Wrap, a Warren Averitt podcast for business leaders designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it so you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Time is tight. That's why our advisors have wrapped up today's most timely topics into a podcast with actionable advice. Now, let's get down to business. Hey, Kim, how are you today?
1: Hey, Paul, I'm good. Good to see you. I know, it's good to see you.
0: Glad to be back for another uh, rap Podcast conversation.
1: Yeah, it's always fun to, to record these episodes.
0: Today's conversation is going to be really good.
1: I'm excited, and, you know, this is your area. Yeah, like-
0: but... You know, I, I do this a lot, but I'm going to step back and I'm going to let these experts talk okay. about cybersecurity today.
1: You're shining the light on other people in this area, rather spread than the, the light wealth. is always shown love. on you. No, Spread the love. I like that.
0: With us today uh, from More Averitt is Amy Williams, one of our business consultants in the Risk and Controls Group. Uh, Amy, welcome.
1: Thank you. Welcome, nice Amy. Time. Good to see you. Glad to be here.
0: Also with Amy is uh, Justin Headley. He's one of the managers in our Risk and Control Group, does a lot with our clients from an IT review perspective. Justin, good to have you here. Yeah, thank you for having
2: me. Thanks
1: for joining us. So, Amy, why is cybersecurity such a hot topic today for business owners and executives?
2: Sure. I think, you know, when I'm meeting with people and having these discussions about what their concerns are and kind of what's out there in the environment right now, um, they're always in sort of what we would call a firefight. And it's either they have the knowledge and the skills and they're really proactively addressing it or they have the other end of the spectrum, which is kind of a it's never going to happen to me mentality. So we're either coming alongside people to kind of help them out or we're trying to get the light bulb to come on.
0: So why do you think they have that um, it's never going to happen to me mentality?
2: You know, it's, I think in general it's kind of a scary topic or it's maybe a lack of understanding or knowledge of what's out there and what the concerns are, and it's ever-changing. So you get your mind wrapped around one thing, and it's already shifted to something else. So it's not necessarily that they think it won't happen to me. They think they've got their bases covered, and then if they get too comfortable, they've just fallen in that category by accident, really.
1: And, Justin, why does it always seem that they're in a firefight?
3: Well, I think a piece of that is I think we grow a little bit numb to cybersecurity breaches. I think, you know, we're constantly seeing it's, it's on a daily basis. We're seeing something in the news that uh, there's another, another data breach that's happened. Um, so I think, I think we can grow a little bit numb toward that, thinking that either, hey, this is a big guy business. It's only hitting the big guys. But, you know, the truth is, if, if you're out there on the Internet, you know, it's, um, it, it can happen to anyone.
2: Well, and to add to that, people kind of try to stay in their lane. So you have the executives that say, hey, my internal department takes care of that. And you have your internal department that thinks that they've got everything in order. But if you're not in a constant conversation with each other, then you're basically putting yourself out there for risk.
0: There's a lot of laws related to data breach, right? Uh, and and those are growing by the day. Um, any Any sort of kind of, forethought onto what's coming from a federal
3: law perspective because I don't think there's a federal law yet is that right that's correct uh what you've had thus far is you know your states individually enacting their own laws around data breaches and uh something you haven't seen like you you, you see over in other countries um uh mainly in the European Union is you have uh they've they've got a unified kind of data breach law similar to GDPR uh you've seen California kind of come up with a similar, law, similar uh, a similar wall, um, but I think what you haven't seen yet is in the United States, kind of coming unifying together and saying this is what uh, we expect of our of our companies, uh, making sure that their customers and United States citizens are protected uh, on the data breach data breach front.
2: Sure, and I agree with that. I mean, essentially, the more data that we collect and store, the more susceptible we are to attacks or threats. And so, you know, we have to be proactive, and then everybody has to come to a place where the landscape looks the same, where we're all meeting the same criteria and credentials. And And I think, like he said, the, the European Union and then California are starting to set that precedence.
0: And it's that standard that's hard, because everybody wants to do it their way. They've got their, their way of doing things, and I think that that's going to cause a major issue there.
1: Yeah, and Amy, you brought a a good point around the more data we collect, the more vulnerable we are to this kind of um, breach happening. And, you know, I've seen it with our own clients where this is a, you know, closely held business that is in, you know, kind of a a rural area of, of Georgia, and yet they had a breach of their data. It doesn't seem that anyone is immune to the potential of a breach. And I would assume that that weighs heavy on executives and, and business owners' minds.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I looked at a statistic today that said that, you know, where people feel comfortable is I'm a small business or I'm a mid-sized business, so I'm not as interesting to hackers. And in reality, over half of all breaches occurred in small to mid-sized businesses, primarily because of they're hoping that the knowledge or the resources in order to fight the, you know, cyber crime is reduced or that they're more capable of getting that information and information is information. If they can get it and they can use it, they're going for it.
1: Right. And... I would assume they're also hoping that there is the opportunity for that business to be more reliant on that data and they'll pay, you know, if they if it's a ransom where for example, you know, most big organizations have backups upon backups so you can you can threaten them but they're not going to pay the ransom. Whereas a small business may be forced to. Well, that
2: and the likelihood of them maybe having some sort of area where it hasn't been addressed is potentially higher. Not in every case. I mean, you meet super savvy small businesses on security that are just as um, like they're just as uh, the oversights just as high on the big companies. But then, like you said, you've got organizations that just don't have the resources or the knowledge internally, don't know where to get it. And then they are very likely to have to uh, pay those fees
0: like what you hear so far make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now this podcast is made possible by listeners like you thank you for your support now back to the show so y'all are y'all are out there talking to customers clients organizations conferences what are the things y'all are telling businesses they need to do to be prepared obviously there's a,
3: a laundry list of things but let's talk about the top five or six what are, what are those what are those areas you know, the first thing I'll start off with is, uh, is top of mind, we're always constantly reminding clients, is is creating a uh, a cyber security awareness culture within the organizations. You know, I always like to tell our clients that, you know, you can have the greatest tools, the greatest IT security appliances in the world, uh, but, you know, that can all be undone with... Uh, one click of an email or one mistake by an employee that that introduces malware or ransomware in your organization. So you know, I think all those tools are great. I think the, you know one of the greatest things that you can you can do for your organization to protect it is really is training and educating your your employees. Is that one- time training or is that kind of constant ongoing? Yeah, that it constantly has to be an ongoing conversation that you have to have. never could be a, a one-time event. Yeah,
2: people should never get on autopilot in that area. Um, I would agree with Justin that primarily your people are your area of risk, but I think knowing that good policy and procedure development Mm -hmm. is really important. So the mentality of it's probably going to happen to us. Let's go ahead and have things written out. And and I say written because having it in theory is not good. It's not enough. So you want to make sure that you have it in writing. Who knows who's on first kind of deal. So that whenever the the breach does happen, and it's likely that it will, um, that you have a good response and a timely response. I think timeliness is huge.
0: On the internal control side, Kim, we say if you didn't
3: document it, it didn't happen you didn't do it
1: that's right
0: so we got to make sure that that documentation is there uh
3: yeah in another area you know we kind of go over with our clients you know we do a lot of these it control reviews it risk assessments every year uh but you know we kind of develop uh good technology-based controls into into kind of six areas you know, one of those areas uh we, we kinda focus on is IT structure and strategy. You know, how 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 is the IT organization kinda aligned with the uh the overall best practices of the organization? Uh you know, are they on the same page? Another area is change management, which is huge. You know, if you have these homegrown solutions, um, what does that look like as, as far as a change to that application? Uh, are, are those changes approved? Are they documented? Are they tested before they're pushed into, into process? You know, Another uh, big area is vendor management. That's a, certainly a big, hot topic with financial institutions. But, uh, you know, before you onboard a new vendor that you're giving access to your critical information, uh, you know, what are you doing to make sure that um, that that you, you're on the same page? You know, you're reviewing SO, SOC reports, uh, making sure that they have the same Uh, stringent uh, IT controls around your data that you would have, um, you know, another area. Logical, physical access, making sure that there's good password parameters, uh, physical access around your data. Um, Another area that we look at around data backups. Um, A lot of organizations have really good controls around making sure that their data is backed up, but not making sure that you know, if we do have to recover something from those backups, can we actually, you know, recover that successfully? And then finally, kind of the last area uh, is around incident management. So as, as Amy mentioned before, if you do have a breach, what processes, what procedures do you have in place to inform your customers to get your business up uh, back up and operating?
2: Yeah. And the vendor management one, I think, is what I'm particularly seeing a lot of people ask about, because you can do everything you can possibly do. But if you're, have a relationship or a business associate relationship with someone and they aren't doing what they're supposed to do, then that's as big of a problem as you not doing it. So we're having a lot of people say, hey, come look at my critical vendors over here and make sure that they're doing everything that they need to, that they're checking all their boxes so they're not putting our organization at risk. Um, we don't want to find out it's them, not us, and still end up in the same place.
0: And Justin, what is it I say all the time? You can outsource You can outsource policies and procedures but
3: cannot source responsibility and that's that, that that is so true Fact. in this day and age
1: mm-hmm. so we hear a lot about clients that are paying for cyber insurance what is that and what is it for and when should a company consider having it
3: I think with cyber insurance, you know, you can relate that back to any kind of insurance you would buy. It's it's in place so uh, to indemnify you from a loss. Um, But the main thing you need to think about with cybersecurity insurance, um, and it's a big misnomer in the market, is that when you go to actually file a claim. the insurance company's got to look back at you and say, as far as your from a due diligence perspective, uh, what have you done to make sure this breach may not have taken place? You know things like making sure that you do have good security awareness training in place for your for your employees, for your end users. Do you have a firewall uh, that would have protected this traffic? Uh, do you send out uh, social engineering phishing emails to your to your uh, your employees on a periodic basis? So things like that, just to make sure that um, you had do good due diligence in, in place to. Uh, to actually prevent that attack
2: so and one thing to watch out for is that under your general liability policy you're not going to be covered if you experience social engineering however under the cybersecurity liability insurance that would be coverage
0: yeah so so this is really an
3: add-on that they need to have correct gotcha.
1: so Justin is there any particular industry that is more vulnerable to a breach
3: I think they, that is a common myth that, that one, one industry may be more vulnerable uh, than another. You know, you hear a lot about uh, in in the headlines now, in the news headlines, that, uh, you know, cities, municipalities are under attack. But
1: City of Atlanta. Uh,
3: absolutely. City, city of Atlanta. Of city of Baltimore. And, you know, a lot of these things are dominating the news headlines, but any business with sensitive information, you know, of any kind, is a vulnerable to attack. All right, guys, so here on the wrap, we'd like
0: to wrap it up in 60 seconds. What's the one thing you want to leave the listeners um, with to to know about as it relates to cybersecurity going forward?
2: I think from my standpoint, having a it's not if, it's when mentality related to cybersecurity. So you are going to get breached. It's just how bad is it and how quickly are you able to respond? And so it goes back to everything we've said previously. We're all vulnerable to attack and we've got to know what to do when it happens.
3: Justin? Justin? Yeah, j- just to kind of rehash what we talked about earlier, um, tools are great, and I think we get caught into a, uh, a phase these days of saying that I can add this bolt-on appliance to my firewall, or this next tool is the cyber, you know, bu- you know, the silver bullet of cybersecurity. Uh, but it really comes down to education and uh, giving knowledge to our employees. They are the uh, the front lines of our of our organization, and that's uh, that that's key to protecting our company. You know, Kim, usually when we walk away from cybersecurity conversations, I'm a little scared because there's
0: always something new you've learned. Hopefully we didn't scare you too bad today.
1: Um, No, I think I was already (laughs) scared about this coming in. You've done a good job educating me.
0: Well, good. Well, good. Well, Justin, Amy, we really appreciate y'all being here.
1: Thank Thank you both. Yeah,
0: thank you. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to our podcast series, or make a suggestion for other topics to cover, visit us at warrenaveritt.com forward slash the